Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the producer and host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today on Inspiring Healing, we have a very special guest, Annie Casper. She is author of Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies. She's a breast cancer survivor, a speaker, and a coach. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you about your story and about your journey so far and all that you've done to encourage and inspire other people. And I didn't mention in the beginning that you're also the founder of Body Bliss, so we'll be talking about that too. But before we go into where you're at now and all the exciting things that you're doing and, and the help that you're offering to many, can you give the listeners some background and history about you so they get a sense of where you came from? Certainly. Um, I went to an all-women's college, Wells College in upstate New York, and was an English literature and uh, major and a biology and philosophy minor. You can imagine how, um, how convertible that was in the real world. And um, after graduating from college, I went to Wall Street, and I worked as a financial advisor um, and a senior vice president at many of the world's uh, uh, formerly most esteemed and now most greatly hated mm-hmm. <laughs> firms. And after about 15 years there, um, I decided uh, that enough was enough, and I packed everything up and moved to the Southwest. Mm. Was there something significant that occurred, or was it just you were at that place in your life where you felt like you needed something different? Well, I had spent some time in the Southwest um, journeying for myself spiritually and just just to enhance my um, spiritual growth after many, many years of focusing on material growth. And I decided that the Southwest was somewhere that I really wanted to spend some time Um, growing even more, and also exploring my creative talents, and I ended up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Mm -hmm. and did exactly that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love to hear stories like that, because I think that we often all have those hopes and dreams to do something differently and to move to a different place in our life, but that takes courage, and I'd love for you to share, how did you find the courage to just change your whole life and step out and do something that you really had no idea how it was going to turn out? Um, I think, I think first, really becoming a successful woman on Wall Street uh, taught me the courage to step out mm-hmm. always on a limb because you, it didn't happen otherwise there. Mm-hmm. And I think also um, having um, initiated a, one of the founding or landmark class action lawsuits against these firms because of discrimination against women in 1997 and having the courage to go up against these huge monolithic giants that, needless to say, you know, uh, perceived you as an ant to be stepped on. I think I simply developed courage over the years uh, in uh, in my experience on Wall Street, mm-hmm. and I was able to transcend almost any obstacle that mm-hmm. came in my in my in my path. And that more than more more than not, it was actually not an obstacle. It was a challenge, and it was an opportunity and a gift for growth. Mm-hmm. So when I decided to move to Santa Fe, that's that's how I perceived it as well. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I think that's critical for us to see that the challenges are really just an opportunity to learn about ourselves, to learn about life, and to really get out there and do something with that challenge, to use it for us, not against us. 
Exactly, exactly. I have found that the most challenging moments are the most gifted moments, and they are mm. the most rewarding in that you truly are able to access the deep resources that you have within um, and become your greatest creator. Mm, absolutely. Now, when was it after that, I'm assuming, that you were diagnosed with breast cancer? And can you share that part <laughs> Which, of your story? Unfortunately, within about two years of landing in Santa Fe, I was diagnosed with pretty severe breast cancer. Originally, there were 14 spots. They weren't all biopsied, mm-hmm. but um, they um, they they essentially found 14 suspicious spots. Mm. And the original spot was... Um, it, because there were two spots in my right breast in different quadrants, of course, uh, they, you know, their suggestion in 2005, in August of 2005, when I was diagnosed with uh, double mastectomy, radiation, chemotherapy, reconstruction. And I just, um, I don't know, maybe I'm really dense and pig-headed or maybe I'm way ahead of my times, but I, had, I knew enough about biology from college mm-hmm. um, as well as enough about nutrients and the value of nutrients and your diet and your lifestyle and your exercise um, levels to know that there had to be a better answer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than what they were giving me. And I, you know, I tried desperately to work with them, but they would not have it at the time. They've changed a lot since then, mm-hmm. which I'm extremely happy to see. But at the time, they really wouldn't listen. It was either their way or the highway. Right. And so I had, to, I had to do a lot of research and explore alternative ways of healing myself from cancer. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. And I have to agree because I myself, I don't know if, how much you know of my story, but I declined chemotherapy and radiation too. And that was eight years ago at stage mm-hmm. four. So I have to believe that there are other alternatives and that there's not just a simple solution to dealing with cancer. There's other ways to look at it, and it's really seeking out the answers for your own particular issue in your own body. You know, love, I agree 150%, and I applaud you, too, because it does take an enormous amount of courage, because they're pretty good at scaring you yes. to the out of you, you know? <laughs> really yes. Um, um, and that was even before they got the biopsy results, and in my case, mm-hmm. at the time, it was a, a low-grade, very non, it was, it, it was invasive already, but mm-hmm. it was slow and stupid and dumb, mm-hmm. and so there was, and not, needless to say, I have found uh, since then that their recommendations for the chemotherapy that they did recommend were completely incorrect for my kind of cancer mm. and that my kind of cancer would have responded maybe 3% of the time. Right, right. That's, you know, to, for what you go through, which is poisoning yes, and, and the weakening of every organ and every system mm-hmm. in your body, that's, no, sorry, not, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't calculate. I was a risk management person on Wall Street, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. No, that's, the rewards are far too little mm-hmm. for the great risks that you take. So I started researching enormously because back in 2005, I knew no one who had been diagnosed with cancer, leave alone other serious degenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. And because I had really recovered pretty enormously from, um, I would say, probably about 90% from chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, which, of course, were instigated by adrenal burnout from Wall Street, um, I knew that there had to be a way, and I started my journey, and um, I did a knockdown, drag-out job. It wasn't always the easiest journey because mm-hmm. I, didn't always, I didn't always find the support that I needed. Um, 
I have found that many people who are diagnosed with cancer are faced oftentimes with family members and other loved ones who just want to make it go away. Yes, yes. And, 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 it's, and it's in their best, you know, they have best intentions and their heart is truly there, but cancer didn't just show up. Right. It's the rare cancer that's so aggressive that it just showed up. Mm-hmm. Two, any degenerative condition didn't just show up. It took a long time to develop. Mm-hmm. And to completely recover, it's my personal opinion, it can, for some people, take a longer period than maybe family members and loved ones are, are, are prepared to wait. But they need to understand this is an individual journey and healing is a comprehensive 360 event. Yes. It's physical, emotional, spiritual, and it's like peeling the onion. You're healing and healing, and you're down there to almost the nub, and then there's still all the way down to the nibby, 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 other people started to get diagnosed because mm-hmm. RFA ends up having to having uh, it's unfortunately a hot spot because of course all of the nuclear weaponry that's around in the New Mexico area between Los Alamos and Sandia Labs. Um, so it was a little difficult in the beginning, but I, I I pulled through it. It was well. I found most difficult is I really wanted to work with the conventional community. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to work with them. I wanted them to simply do what I needed them to do, which in my case was simply to reconstruct one breast. That just when I did my thing, just do your thing, and they they refused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They refused immediate reconstruction, even when my test results came back showing that all of the tumors had disappeared except one Mm -hmm. and that that one had an SUV or standard uptake, according to PET scan, of a 1.67, which meant that it was essentially benign now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to go back a little bit to one key word that you mentioned, which was fear. How did you deal with fear? Because fear is so overwhelming sometimes. And as you said, when we listen to others' words and when they speak these things into our lives, death, disease, no hope, whatever it is, not a good prognosis, the fear just overwhelms us. We don't have control anymore and the fear is there. And I would love for you to share with the listeners, how did you deal with that? Because that fear has to be squelched in some manner in order to move forward and go against protocol, if you will, and find other ways. Well, like everyone else, unfortunately, I was scared out of my wits. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I really, the first year, honestly, the first year, because I had to come to know what this really was in my life. And that right. took time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just, what I did is what I've always done when I have been presented with a challenge in my life. I've just simply committed myself, focused, and disallowed the fear to overwhelm me. Mm. I allowed it to kind of like flow through me mm-hmm. because I, I really believe it's important and when I work with my clients I'm really clear about this, that you allow all emotions to fall, fall mm. through you, literally, or flow through you. Mm-hmm. And over time what happens as you allow that and you don't allow it to ever, them ever to get stuck or get capture you, 
they become less and less and less. And I think that's basically what I did, is I simply allowed it to flow through me, just as I had when I was on Wall Street and dealt with ridiculousness often, and just as I had when I had done the... Um, the major class action on the behalf of 3,000 women, just as I had done in every, just as I had done when I first was learning skiing, just as I had done when I first, you know, went diving. I just allowed the fear to throw, flow through. Um, and then over time, it just kind of went away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just went away on its own. But I would say for most people getting this diagnosis, it can be paralyzing. It can be really, really overwhelming. And the best thing I found for myself, it was great, great hikes in the forest, deep meditative work to really just let it cycle out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. I think that makes a lot of sense because I think sometimes that the message we get from the world, if you will, is to just ignore fear, to run from it, to, you know, squelch it in any way that you can. And I really Mm -hmm. think that, as you're saying, you can use fear to your advantage, much like what we said earlier challenges can be used for your advantage. They're learning opportunities. They're growing opportunities. There's something in there. And the beauty in it to me is that we all have that part of our story that needs to be dealt with, that that needs to be learned from. And it really grows us into who we're meant to be, which leads up to what you're doing, which is you wrote the book and you're founder of Body Bliss. It's actually Body by Bliss. It, it came about three months before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, which is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. I had for a long time wanted to have my own business, and I had learned so much in terms of nutrition and overall wellness and well-being, um, having been diagnosed with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia prior to the breast cancer diagnosis, which, by the way, anyone out there, those are precursors to a cancer, so catch them and catch them good. Mm. Um, I began my business about three months prior to the development of the breast cancer, and I was just starting to rock along, and then boom. And, of course, it was the message of healer, heal thyself first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what exactly is Body by Bliss? It's a comprehensive consultation uh, modality that basically addresses whatever your needs are in terms of evolution. That includes physical, spiritual, and emotional. Mm-hmm. And I put together very personalized packages, so to speak, or programs that are particularly designed by me with to bring people to a their true state of being. And mm. when you are really, truly walking in your true state of being, it's extremely difficult to get sick. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I want to ask you, though, because I have so many people messaging to me about the show and about some of the guests. What does the person do that's just overwhelmed with life, with finances, with children, with relationships? They hear Body by Bliss and they're like, oh my, I would love to have something like that. I would love to do this workshop or enjoy this experience. What do you say to those people? How do they get to that point where they can take that one step closer to have something like that happen for them? You must love yourself first. Nothing else will Mm -hmm. fall into place, nothing else will work correctly until you love yourself first. And only then are you truly able to love in the world. And when you are truly able to love in the world and love yourself first, it doesn't really matter what's going on out there. Mm -hmm. You truly have come to your deepest, most divine center. And when you're there, external events, just you, you... flow through them and they flow through you 
and you find that they simply move the way water does over rocks in a river, and so do you. And at some juncture, those financial issues transform, and there is a gift and opportunity in them for wealth and abundance. Mm. Same with health issues, same with relationship issues, mm-hmm. same with, uh, with children issues, same with you know, societal slash governmental issues. Everybody in our society, unfortunately, has been taught in the Western society particularly to see things in either black or white in a very dualistic way. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is, as we both know, is that you can't have black without white. You can't have yes without no. Because there is no permanence. The only constant is change. And learn to truly be comfortable in your stillness in the midst of what I consider to be an amazing and beautiful creative event. I think that, which is part of what we're trying to achieve here at Your Story Matters, is that you matter. And it's okay to love yourself. In fact, it's necessary, as you just said, to love yourself. And I think that's part of the problem, and more so with women, that no one tells us it's okay to love ourselves first and that it's necessary. There's no question about that. Unfortunately, we have a good, like, 10,000 years of history of being um, suppressed and quite frankly, abused and brutalized. So, you know, mm-hmm. women have got to really step up That's right. and awaken from what, I don't even know what to call it anymore, that trance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it is almost like a hypnotic trance. You come first. You are no good to your child. You are no good to your husband. You are no good to your community. You are no good to your world. You are no good to anyone unless you are good to yourself. Absolutely. And the better you are to yourself, the more you have to contribute to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I totally agree, and I've been there and do that and understand that. And so I'm so <laughs> thankful that you've been able to eloquently share that message today. Can you tell us about the book, Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies? how it evolved for you to write that and what it's about. And I do want to mention that you've graciously donated a copy for our listeners, and one of our listeners will win a copy of it by commenting at the website once the show is posted there. So thank you very much for that. Oh, you're most welcome. Well, you know, when I was going through the journey, it was actually quite a surreal journey. It wasn't one of those like, oh, I just stepped right into the perfect um, healing modality. Mm -hmm. I'm done in six months and onward I go. It's not that. It was quite the circuitous road. um, As I, you know, as I said before, you know, the peeling of the onion took me down many pathways. And I thought, you know, I bet, I bet. I'm not the only one that this happens to you. And mm-hmm. I bet many women and many men go through this. And I said, I need to, I'm keeping a journal, I need to share this because I don't think anyone who's gone through a serious illness really gets to communicate the truth of what they have experienced. You know, right. we all see wonderful books of like, uh, you know, it's not about the bike. Well, you know, Lance Armstrong, God bless him had the millions of dollars to recover his health after what he went through. Mm-hmm. Not everyone does. Mm-hmm. This typical human being who gets diagnosed with a serious degenerative illness, like cancer, goes through a lot mm-hmm. in their process. And I really wanted to write the most truthful, most 
heart opening and consciousness opening account that I could that would move people to greater compassion whether they were the individual patient with the diagnosis, they were a caregiver, they were a doctor, they were mm-hmm. a nurse, whomever, and that's exactly what it has done. Mm-hmm. And it, it also is a call to action um, uh, for more compassionate care, and yeah, I'm seeing it happen, so I'm very, very pleased. But the initial inspiration, I have to say, was my former fiancé. He just saw me writing away and what I was going through and how doggedly committed I was to, no, to healing no matter what anyone told me, no matter what the conventional community told me, no matter how many alternative um, you know, quacks I ended up, <laughs> not quite, but, and he just said, you need to write about this. Mm-hmm. Because you are the canary in the coal mine. You're out there mm-hmm. trying to create a protocol that doesn't exist in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the genesis of the book. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be an enormously cathartic event, of course, as you can imagine. Yes, yes. As I've written my own story and I'm on my second part of the story, it is. It's so healing and freeing to be able to say the truth, to share what we've been through to know that while we're sharing, we're really connecting with so many people who have gone through the same yet very different experiences. Exactly. Love that. And that's what your work is about, too. Your story matters. I mean, yes, every single one of our stories matter because we are one. Mm-hmm. And what one goes through, another is going through on an energetic level. Mm-hmm. And so the, the sooner we come to a compassionate conclusion about in medicine in general and in all of life, the sooner cancer will no longer be an issue, disease will no longer be an issue, discord, war, blah, 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 will no longer be issues. We will mm-hmm. be finally living what we were supposed to be, have been living in the first place, which was paradise on earth. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how we got so far astray. Me either, but I'd love to get back to paradise. <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely. <laughs> exactly. You know what? We're making it. We really are. It's, you know, it's, a, it's been quite the road, but we're getting there. There's no question. I agree, and I think that some of living in paradise is our own mindset and our own little world, if you will, that we create around us. And so I encourage others through the things you've said that that is possible. There might be a lot of despair. There might be things that you can't control or change, but you can make your own paradise. And sometimes that's all we have left to do is to create that love and, and purpose and the greatness around us. Exactly. Love for you to share with the listeners. I know you've talked a great deal about, you know, dealing with the struggles and overcoming the fear and, you know, the ability you've had to do that throughout your life, obviously. But what did you do or what do you do if you have them now in those times of frustration or discouragement? It seems like just human to feel that at times, to wake up sometimes and feel like, Am I on the right track? Is this really going well? Is it all going to fall away? You know, so can you address that with our listeners? Absolutely. I have always been greatly blessed um, by my intuition. So I say first, when you have those moments of frustration, listen to them. What 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 is happening? Go within deeply. Go to a meditative uh, spot somewhere in your home or out in nature. I particularly find nature to be incredibly healing and stilling and offers an opportunity for me to really connect with the truth of my, my, my deepest self and all that is. And really ask yourself the essential question, am I? Am I doing the right thing? 
your intuition will be very clear. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll mm-hmm. be very, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It'll come straight up. No. And just ask yourself the questions that are necessary. And the answers are within the questions themselves. And take a little, take notes if you must. Take a little notepad with you. And, but take time to remove yourself from the mayhem of the moment and fill yourself and really just go deeply within. Again, I find nature to be amazingly, amazingly adept at bringing me to myself and bringing me to her and bringing me to oneness in general. And there, when you are there, all of your answers are there. Mm. And the frustration, of course, melts away. Because the reason you've gotten frustrated is because you haven't been listening to your intuition in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with that, and I think that a key thing to mention is that it takes training, much like you know, getting rid of a bad habit or instilling a new good habit. You have to continually work on listening to your own intuition and figuring out what that is for you. Yes, and not to not to second guess it, and not to try to make it a logical event. No, mm-hmm. intuition is immediate knowing. It is very clear. It is strong. It is that. It is that gut wrenching. Oh, right there, you mm-hmm. got it. You know it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Or it's that simple, very strong yes or no. Mm-hmm. And it does take time to come back to that because we've had it we've had it trained out of us for mm. particularly the past three thousand years. But it's there. It's never gone away. That's right. You just have to open yourself to it. I love it. So we have two big key points that you've shared with us today, a lot of wonderful things, but one is to love yourself first and the other is to trust your own intuition. Yes, and that's trusting yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see, if you love yourself, you trust yourself. That's right. And once you have the two of those, oh, well, there's not too much you can cannot do, truly. That's right. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Annie. Can you share with our listeners how they would find out more about you and where they can get a copy of the book if they're not the winner? Oh, certainly. I can be reached um, at my website at Pelicans. Coconuts and Butterflies, all spelled out, dot com. You can purchase the book there, or you can purchase the book in any local store. You can order it through your library because it's available via Ingram's International Catalog. You also can purchase it online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. My personal website is pelicanscoconutsandbutterflies.com. Basically, I've moved my body by bliss information and my intuitive sovereignty information into there and very informative hub for all kinds of different uh, types of um, information as, as we evolve as human beings into our best. Mm-hmm. And I may be reached personally at Annie, A-N-I, at Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies. I would love to know, how did you come up with the name Pelicans, Coconuts, and Butterflies? I love the name, and it just (laughs) sounds like there must be a story behind it. When I was sitting on my beautiful veranda, which overlooks the Caribbean Sea, I was writing. And one day, I was taking a break, and I just watched the pelicans go by again, as they do. And I watched them die for their fish and their lunch, as they do every day. And then I just noticed, you know the coconut, because I get them every day and drink their fresh juice every day. And just as I was noticing the beauty of the pelicans and the wonder of the coconuts, because it's such a nutritional food, mm-hmm. two butterflies just came across the veranda and literally within, I would say, probably about oh, a foot 
from my face and just flew by. And I, it was just there, pelicans, coconuts, and butterflies, mm. because it was such a blissful, heavenly moment. It sounds like it. That's beautiful. Well, you know, these are the days where we need to come from our hearts. We've yes. always needed to come from our hearts, but more now than ever. If you're coming from your heart and you are authentic, all good comes to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do want to clarify then, are you cancer-free and are the methods, the alternative methods you used, what you attribute to your current health status? Well, what I would say is I, I'd never say I'm cancer-free because the truth is, for each of us, and this is unfortunately the truth, each of us will encounter cancer in our bodies at least six times before it even turns into a noticeable cancer. So basically what I can say is that I was able to bring my cancer to indolence and to uh, benignness. I, I can't say cancer-free because cancer-free technically implies that there's like no tumor left, there's no anything left, and that's not the case with mm-hmm. me. There's, there's, there's a lot to cancer that we could talk about. So what I will say is that there are many, 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 many instances of people living with tumors in their body for the rest of their lives and many instances of the tumors dissolving over like, you know, as long as it took to create it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a 10-year period. So I'm just in process here, and that's, that's what I do. Um, the most important thing that I can say to anyone is that if you are able to have minimal surgery, go for it. But then remember that tumor was only the largest manifestation of the cancer. And even though the cancer is not showing up in your body, your body's terrain is so off that you must bring it to an anti-cancer terrain. Mm-hmm. then you can truly say that you are cancer-free. See, that's why I don't even like to say cancer-free because even the medical community, they, you know, the tumor's gone, the patient's barely alive, but you're cancer-free. Right. Well, great. When is it going to come back? Am I going mm-hmm. you know, to recover enough for it never to come back? Mm-hmm. So the most important thing is to, in my personal opinion, is to be as cancer-free as possible. There you go. That's right. I love it. Annie, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story today and for talking about your amazing book and Body by Bliss. And I wish you the best in your endeavors. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. And thank you for the wonderful work you're doing in our world, love. Thank you. I appreciate that very much.